0: welcome to Kibi on Liberty okay welcome back guys today's today's the day um, Eric I was looking at the show we did I think about nine months ago now it seems like a lifetime ago but I' guess I'm guessing, like I'm guessing nine months feels long.
1: Right, it, it's been a very long nine months, Matt. Yes. Uh, a, a lot a lot of ups and downs and it, it's nice to be on the on the upper end of the ups now.
0: Yes, so we have an announcement and we have the appropriate uh, libations for that. Um, we have two announcements. Yes. Roll those out.
2: So the, the first announcement worthy of the, the good whiskey on the table uh, is that we just earlier this week uh, received word from the admi- an administrative law judge here in the District of Columbia that uh, you'll recall after we successfully got Eric's business reopened, D.C. did not relent. They continued to pursue him for additional fines of between two and four thousand bucks uh... for his original violations uh... and you know this process went on for months and we were finally vindicated yesterday what was it uh... two days ago now uh... uh, and they went ahead and accepted our argument uh... with regard to their authority and also went ahead and vacated any of the fines against eric so so that was a, a a nice win particularly given you know, just quite frankly, how much economic damage that they have inflicted on on the big board and his business over the course, not just of the past nine months, but over the course of the pandemic. I mean, I think people forget, um, Eric ended up largely burning through his life savings before the shutdown ever occurred because of the restrictions that were put in place in DC, which were some of the most onerous in the country. Uh, and so to have them continuing to go after him, nickeling and diming him, this was a, a, a great victory to, uh, to finally stop that, that madness.
0: Okay, so we have um, a Kilcomen, very peaty single malt. We have High West Rendezvous Rye, which is a beautiful rye from Utah of all places. And Woodford, uh, this is one of their one-off bottlings. It's a white corn sour mash whiskey Um, bourbon rye scotch
1: I I like them all Uh, (laughs) okay looks like looks like we're gonna start with the scotch
0: one of each for you (laughs) I suppose it's it's a good day yeah Um, and it's it it's gonna get better and I want to I want to talk a little bit give people a frame for the conversation that we're gonna have I guess we need to finish this bottle don't we
2: if you if you have to you have to you know
0: it's <laughs> yeah. it's a thing this is one of my favorites um from, from Ilay. we used to drink more on this show and i feel like tonight or this morning i guess technically isn't time to much. do that congratulations thank you thank you beating back the man keeping your business going and yet we've just begun
1: well it's it's kind of funny matt because uh some of some of my friends have asked me hey Eric why do you still care your your business is open they're not they're not doing this and when when I think back on it what people don't remember is DC was in no way reasonable when they shut me down yeah they shut me down and they took away my right to appeal so they essentially locked the courts where I couldn't even appeal my liquor license and the idea that the government can do that Taking away my due process rights, on the name of an emergency—that's just crazy, and that is that is definitely not
0: American. Yeah, and that that was um, again and again. And and when I first heard your story, um, that was my reaction. That's like that's not American. That's not how the system is supposed to work. And I, I think we all had sort of a, not naive faith, but an understanding that that the rule of law mattered, and that that we didn't do that to. Of people um, running um, legal, honest businesses. And yet, when the lockdowns came, they threw it all out the window. Um, so, what are we going to do about it, Mr. Attorney?
2: Well, you know, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. When you're an attorney, you sue. <laughs> uh, and so, I'm very pleased. The second announcement, uh, which you, you uh, alluded to, uh, we just filed a federal lawsuit. Uh, on behalf of Eric and the big board, uh, and, you know, the case, you know, it's it's about a little bit of money, and it's about a whole lot of principle. And the principle involved is really that the Constitution doesn't sleep even during a pandemic, especially during a pandemic. It's at times when government claims it's, you know, has its greatest claims to sort of reach out and use power that we need to be the most assiduous in defending uh, our liberties and making sure that government acts within appropriate limited powers. And Eric is absolutely right. I mean, what happened in this case is really quite shocking. Essentially, uh, the D.C. Council and the mayor evaded the requirements of the Constitution and the Home Rule Act, uh, and then they went ahead and closed the courthouse doors to any challenges during the pendency of the emergency, which, which spanned for over two years. So first you act unlawfully, then you close the courts. I suppose it's good to be the government, except maybe not today.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you guys, at least metaphorically at 1201 or somewhere around there, have dropped this lawsuit in federal court um, because you hit the button. And you might have said "yeehaw" when you did that, <laughs> <laughs> or something else. I mean, we'll we'll after hours we'll talk about what that was. Um, and and I want to ask you hinted at this, Eric, but um, you're you're now defending the Constitution, and you just wanted to run a bar. You just wanted to be a neighborhood gathering place where people could get together and so and and maybe even work out their differences and now now
1: you're like defending the constitution. No, it, did, did you see this happening? I, I did not see this happening it, it's kind of it's kind of crazy the whole reason why I opened up a bar was so that I didn't have to get involved in any of these items I didn't want to be. You thought these were settled issues. I thought these were settled issues uh, and th- for those of y'all who haven't been to the bar it's just last night uh, two guys were having an argument about the death penalty, not the greatest argument that you want to have in the bar. And one of them looked at me and apologized, and I said, you don't have to apologize, this is why bars exist, so that people who have differing views can talk to each other and have a good idea of what's going on. The uh, But we're all sick of hearing it now, so let's talk about sports instead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, there is, um, and, and we were talking about this before, but there's something about the lockdowns that have sort of, um, Broken, our ability to, to to work through things with our neighbors when they when they come from a different political perspective, and I'd, I I had sort of aspired with the founding of Free the People, like we were going to have what I was calling transpartisan conversations, and now nobody can talk about anything, and they they immediately decide that you're either a good guy or a bad guy depending on the emojis emojis on your on your Twitter account, and bars were the one place where those rules did not apply. Yeah. Um, do, so, let me ask you where we're at now. Um how is business and are it sounds like at least one um, pair of people were willing to have a partisan or I assume they didn't kill each other of they, the death They penalty? didn't kill
1: each other and they actually shook hands at the end of the conversation. See, uh, that's the, how it's supposed to work. The so it was a really rough two years for the bar and uh I don't in different parts of the country in DC we weren't allowed to operate at full capacity for more than 14 months yeah and then we had additional requirements put on us the next winter uh did it, when did this start in um 2020 but 20, is it 2020 early? march 17th was the day that it started and then we were allowed to reopen i want to say may 27th but my my dates might be off a day or two sure. in between here and there of the following year 2021. um and we were Actually, showing signs of life, we were doing, doing well last, last summer and into the winter, and then when the mayor put on these onerous requirements um, and illegal requirements, somehow people started to not want to come out anymore.
0: Yeah. Um, remind people what you did to um, bring the entire wrath of the D.C. government
1: I mean, it, it's it's honestly, I'm a very reasonable guy. The only thing that I said was that everybody is welcome at my bar. Um, that it didn't make sense for my servers to have to wear masks when nobody around them was wearing masks. They're not second-class citizens, and they don't, and they don't need to be treated like they're vectors of disease because they're working. They're good people, and the second major thing that I said was, Hey, it's not my job to check people's personal medical status. If you, the government wants to do that, put an agent at my door. I've got enough stuff to do already. We're on three floors. We've got people upstairs and down. We've got to take orders, get food. And that is, uh, once again, if you've never been to the bar, there are windows all the way around the place and it is a voluntary act to put your hand on that door. There was nobody compelling you to walk in. Uh, for some reason, people, these are tried and true American values that everybody's welcome. And I have no idea how people's brains have wrapped themselves into thinking that that is not something that we're all about. Yeah. Well, those,
0: I mean, in, in hindsight, you can say that expressing those basic American values was dangerous for your business at the time. You, you must have known that it was controversial.
1: The, I mean it. For a reminder for everybody, the full wrath of the DC government came down upon me. Yeah. In inside of two weeks of tweeting out, everybody is welcome at my restaurant. The health department had shut me down. The li- ABRA, the DC liquor license agency, had shut me down. They had removed my basic business license. They sent agents every day to my establishment to harass me, to harass my. Shoot, they even sent undercover agents in when they could have just come in and taken my picture at any time. We weren't trying to hide.
0: Yeah. Um, by the way, I, I recommend if you didn't see the show that we did, um, I think a day or two after you were shut down, um, we, we went through a lot of this stuff. But my, my point is um, it was um, courageous and risky and maybe dangerous to say that at the time, these things that would a couple of years ago, every American, hopefully, would just nod their heads, well, of course, everyone should be welcome. Well, of mm-hmm. course, you should treat um, the people working there the same way as you treat the customers. Um, and I, th- I suspect today, and, and as we move forward, this will be, once again, common sense. I think people are going to discover that these were horrific mistakes that tore America apart. I hope that's true. I, I hope
1: I hope that's true, too. Um, it, at least, at least at the big board, we're, now we're seeing signs of life. I'm seeing people from all persuasions, people who are very far to the left, people who are very far to the right. They are having good conversations. Uh, they, are, they are not talking about these items anymore. Yeah. Uh, they, they have come to the realization that, hey, maybe that wasn't a good idea for us to be discriminated against people at the door or discriminate against the people who are serving us.
2: It's worth you know, highlighting the point you made. It was courageous, and he paid for it. I mean, I think there's simply no doubt that he was targeted because of his speech. And let's face it, we've all read more incendiary tweets than everyone is welcome. Yes. Uh, but- I, the, I may have sent them personally. <laughs> <laughs> but you take a look, and after the mayor went ahead and lifted the vaccine verification requirement, they still didn't allow him to open. After they went ahead and lifted the mask requirement, they still didn't permit him to open. It took, uh, you know, sort of significant negotiations, demand letters, legal actions, in order to get it so that he could reopen. And it's only now, more than nine months after we sat down with you originally, that we were able to to push back against what Presumably, I hate to to presume too much, but presumably are the last of the fees that they were seeking to impose upon him. So, I mean, this has been, uh, yeah, this has been a relentless effort by the DC government to to punish him for yeah largely for his speech.
0: the 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 game, obviously, and I'll say this, and you, you guys don't need to say this, but obviously, this is bureaucratic and political harassment that you know, but for Buckeye Institute's um, pro bono support of Eric, like if you were just another bartender and and you were paying your own legal bills, they would have, you would you'd be gone by now, you'd be shut down. Right. Right. Thanks for watching. If you liked the conversation, make sure to like the video, subscribe, and also ring the bell for notifications. And if you wanna know more about Free the People, go to freethepeople.org.
1: we would be shut down, and I, I am eternally grateful for Robert and the Buckeye Institute and all of the help that they have given us. It's it's unbelievable um, to have an attorney of Robert's stature who is representing, and we're not a big bar in Washington, D.C. We have a capacity of 94 people can come into the place. Uh, that, I, But the best bar,
0: best burger, I've ever We're, had in DC. Uh,
1: we we do have a fantastic hamburger, and I, I
0: say this as an aficionado. Like I don't <laughs> I don't throw around those those sorts of glowing reviews of any many burgers in DC.
1: it's probably uh, the only place where people come in and say, "Hey, fuck you, Eric," but I love your burgers, so I'm going to yeah. come in anyways. <laughs> well, there's
0: there's there's a hierarchy of values here, <laughs> and you know your your deepest deepestly held um, political views. And then a tasty and then, burger. And then a tasty burger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, thankfully, but I, but I, thankfully, our customers yeah. have their priorities in order. Yeah. But but I but I cut you off. Like the the thing that that we're dancing around is they they wanted to destroy you so that the next guy wouldn't question the power of the mayor and the government to do whatever they wanted whenever they wanted, and and it has this chilling effect on citizens who who believed that they had the rights to express those opinions, believed that those were standard American values. Um, and that's, that's why this story is so interesting because you guys are winning, you're willing to fight, and you're willing to fight. And this isn't always true.
2: Well, and, and what you're going to, I think, goes to the, important, the importance of this lawsuit, which is to say, pandemics aren't Vegas what happens during pandemics don't stay in the pandemic, and that goes to the use and abuse of government power. Yeah. And my big concern, and, and Eric's big concern in this case, is look, the pandemic may be in the rear view mirror, Joe Biden has told us as much, but there's the potential for DC and for other cities to abuse their power in a similar way. And so we need to actually go ahead and nip this thing in the bud to go ahead and demonstrate you can't get away with violating the Constitution, and in this case, the Home Rule Act as well. You can't violate due process by closing the courts. You can't rig the system against your own citizens.
0: Yeah, and this um, this has implications because um, my read is that um, emergency powers are quite addictive um, and that mayors and governors and even presidents will will lean on that in the future. So let's get into these two arguments because I, I think um, you're making two separate claims, um, uh, two separate violations. Let's talk about DC home rule for those of us that don't, well, I live in DC, but most of the folks watching this don't realize that DC is quite different and that there's a different set of rules here um, because we're not a state, um, we're, we're a district and Congress has some say over how the district is run.
2: Yeah. So the Constitution actually gives to Congress the authority to regulate and to legislate uh, for the, the federal district, for D.C. Uh, and back in, I believe it was 1973, uh, Congress went ahead and, and delegated some of its authority to to D.C. Uh, to create a D.C. government uh, through the Home Rule Act. But as part of that, they reserved some power to themselves uh, under under article 1 section 8 of the Constitution. So essentially how this works out in practice is every time the DC Council passes a law there is it has to be sent to Congress and Congress has 30 days to review it and to choose whether or not they're going to reject it. There is one exception to that rule. Um, for The DC City Council is permitted to pass emergency legislation but it is only allowed to last for 90 days. Um and the the mayor can issue an emergency order, but those can only last for 15 days. What happened in this case is that uh, the DC Council stacked order upon order some longer than 90 days, even for a period of more than two years to evade any kind of review by Congress, it didn't meet the requirements of legislation. It didn't meet the requirements of an emergency act. It was, you know, the term we would use is it was ultra virus. It was unlawful. And as such, they are technically and should be construed as void. And it's based upon that and those amended acts and the mayor's orders that D.C. government came after uh, Eric and his business for failing to comply with what were over 16 sets of emergency declarations that had been issued by the mayor's office I think 15 separate uh, amended uh, pieces of legislation were passed. I mean, these things were stacked one on top of the other, um, and it was two, two of those particular orders that uh, that the vaccine regulation and the mask regulation that that Eric Spar was accused of violating. Um, so, uh, so that's that's the first that that's the first violation. And has, this, has there
0: the, ever been a um, is there any precedent for this where they've had rolling emergencies where they've they've sort of bypassed the the Constitution?
2: So they did this uh, essentially. The governor did this in Wisconsin, and the Wisconsin Supreme Court went ahead and struck down those acts as unlawful because it was you know once again they just took a look. It's pretty clear when there's a limitation and when there's not a provision for renewal. Um, and you just keep on renewing it, obviously what you're trying to do is avoid the fact that you were only permitted to do it for a certain number of days. Um, And so you've got that. Here I think it's even clearer, because here it's not just that there was a time period limitation, but it's there for this very particular reason. Um, D.C. courts have actually recognized this isn't a mere nicety. This is a constitutional requirement uh, that Congress actually has to able to engage in meaningful oversight and you're essentially evading any kind of oversight and that really kind of goes to the heart of some of these emergency powers cases when you take a look at what's happened across the country far too often what happens is you've got you know a single entity sometimes a health director sometimes a governor who ends up you know accreting power to themselves and doing so without any meaningful oversight through the democratic process Let's face it, our elected officials are flawed and they oftentimes don't adequately represent our interests. But it's far better to have multiple eyes checking on these, these particular uses of power. And when you have these kinds of acts, these kinds of actions where people are bending over backwards to avoid any kind of oversight, that really, you know, that really should indicate something to us.
0: So even even this question of, of rolling orders has has national implications, even though there's, even though the district is is somewhat unique.
2: No, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you you've seen it in other jurisdictions, and uh, again, it's the sort of thing. If it's allowed to stand, then next time around, you're going to see others trying to play from this playbook.
0: Yeah, this is this is everything, and it, and this gets to the, the second question, of whether or not. Eric was deprived of his constitutional right to a, a day in court.
2: And and this one, you know, honestly when I saw this provision in DC law, it's hard to shock me. Yeah. But this one genuinely did. I mean this literally, you know, you cannot but bring, sh-
0: but your lawyer radar <laughs> went up like ding ding ding. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. This, you know, it's rare that you can bring just a pure due process claim, but this is just a pure due process claim. I mean, the fact of the matter is, they, the DC prohibits individuals who have been injured by unlawful orders from bringing a challenge until the end of the emergency. Now, of course, they understood that orders are only supposed to last for fifteen days, so. If you know so it may have been that when this was enacted into law they thought well this is a pretty reasonable restriction it's only going to be 15 days you know or if it was authorized by um, the DC Council maybe it could be 90 days but the idea that you're going to have this rolling for two-plus years I mean it's just you know unfathomable that you wouldn't be able to actually go ahead and challenge this. and you know Eric thank goodness is actually able to challenge her but how many businesses in D.C. are not able to do so today because they no longer exist.
0: Yeah, well, I wonder about 15 days. um, You're in the bar and restaurant business. Um, 15 days of being shut down at the margin is going to destroy certain businesses and then you make it 30 days and then you make it three months. And I'm sure you guys don't know, but I, I, I would love to see the number of restaurants in D.C. that were destroyed by this stuff.
1: The, there, there are a lot of them, and a lot of them. Right? Yeah. My friends, my who friends who are running restaurants, who are out there. It, restaurant business is a razor, razor, thin margins all the way across. People do it for, for love of being in the business, for love of what they do, for trying to create and build a warm and welcoming environment. Uh, nobody should be surprised at the amount of restaurants that have been shut down in DC, and it is not. These are. These are not people who are not working. They are going to work. They are working hard. They were given impossible conditions to try and make a restaurant work.
0: Yeah. I I also have another theory that is perhaps not, I don't have data to back this up, but I'm certain that it's true and it's anecdotally true that you are a um, self-owned business. You and your brother own the big board um, and it seems like a lot of those types of businesses, entrepreneurial businesses, small businesses, um, couldn't make it because they don't they don't have any, um, you know, financing back end. But but the big guys, the the corporate owned um, chain businesses, they seem to have just. And sometimes they shut down, but they're just like we're gonna we're gonna retreat from this spot and then we're gonna reopen somewhere else. And my favorite restaurants in New York City just did this. I they just probably walked away from their lease, and but they had the financing, and so now they're just gonna open somewhere else.
1: And for for a guy like myself, it, it's my life savings. This is, how, this is how I opened up the big board, and I got money from my brothers, and they helped me get to the level that we needed, but I didn't get any rent abatement. I didn't, I, my rent was still due. I still had employees that needed to be paid. I still, in a restaurant, simple math if you are not doing at least 10 times or your revenue is not 10 times greater than what your rent is you are not going to make it work yeah uh dc had me in a situation where i was doing less than five times that for 15 months i don't know we have wonderful i have wonderful employees i have wonderful customers who come in i don't know how we made it uh i do know that i went to work every day so showed up and when it was day to day to work and that's monday through sunday 365 days in a row i just went to work and kept on going because i love big board and i love i love what it is and i love the people that work there um on a story that i maybe never told was a, I have a, a cook who i could only get him eight hours a week at the beginning of this because and he owed me some money because i loaned him some money he had run into financial problems and when he was working eight hours a week for me he was trying to pay me back money that he owed me it was a 600 hundred dollar loan and i was like gliss you don't you don't have to pay me back right now <laughs> we'll get to we'll get to the point where where we can do that when i can get you working again um for all the people who were out there it the people who relate to me the best are the people who work in music the people who work in theater they come in and they understand what it was like to be told that you're not essential, what it was like to tell somebody that you just don't have work for them, Yeah. what it was like to look at somebody over Christmas break and say, well, I'm sorry, the mayor said we can't be open, so you don't have a job this Christmas. Uh, nobody wants to do that.
0: Right. It, it, anybody that serves customers was specifically targeted in this environment, and I should give a shout out to the the doc, uh, the doc two documentaries now that you guys star in. Um, the first, uh, Shut Down Indefinitely. The second one cleverly called uh, Shut Down Indefinitely Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> um, because one one was a story about what the government did to you, and, and the second one, which we're releasing right after this interview, is the story about you fighting back and the story of, of challenging um, your constitutional right to, to defend your business. Um, but one of the things we captured, and this, this was unusual, I think, is was your ability to hold your team together. Um, they stuck with you and like, and, and I, I would imagine that there are other employees at other businesses, if, if their owner um, challenged the government and said, you don't have the right to do this to me, they're like, this guy's crazy, I'm out of here they
1: might employees might think i'm a little crazy but well, they, no, they, they might do. have said that to you <laughs> but they at the time and i don't know where you're at now but your, your team stuck together they, they stuck together they are still there uh the guy who's my lead line cook was the lead line cook on the day we opened uh the my bartender tonight was andrew and he's been there for 10 and a half years it's amazing the and if people don't understand restaurant industry turnover is you might have somebody for three months yeah I've, I've got a staff that's been there for five years plus it's funny when the bartender who's there has been there for five years it's like I'm the junior bartender here when, when do I ever get to move up if you made it this far into the show
0: it means I must be doing something right Kibi on Liberty is just one of the amazing products we created for the people We tell emotionally compelling stories and produce educational videos for the Liberty curious. Our award-winning documentaries personalize all things, Liberty independence, creativity, hard work, integrity, and perseverance. After the show, check out our work at freethepeople.org. And if you like what you see, donate to support what we do. That's freethepeople.org. Now back to the show. (laughs) Um, Back to the question of whether or not Eric's basic constitutional rights were violated. And this is the basis of the second challenge.
2: So the, the second challenge goes to this, the courthouse door being closed. And uh, you know to my mind, there's just, there's quite simply no justification for that. That really is basic due process. Um, and you know, we talked a little bit about that with regard to You know, I think that there was an anticipation in the law that would only last for so many days. But you actually raised something which I think is an equally interesting question, which is, is it even justified for a short duration? I I think think the idea that you shouldn't have your day in court... um, you know, it's, it's specifically when uh, we're facing an emergency and there might be a temptation for abuse of power that we need to make sure that the courts are there so that people can vindicate their rights. But in this case, there's just no question. Uh, letting, allowing it to drag on for two years, preventing citizens, business owners who have been harmed by unlawful uh, orders from, from having their day in court, that it's just simply, it's un-American and it violates basic due process.
1: And so
0: the, the basic, go, go ahead. I,
2: I, just,
1: I just wanted to add something, and we, and we keep on saying it's my fight. It, it, it's not just my fight. It's a fight for everybody in Washington, D.C. It's for every person who comes in and talks with me and was like, I got my business destroyed because of this, and people come and talk with me. A lot of people come in, and are, the government overreached me on this. This is a fight for all of us and all of our civil rights and, and what, what we do in respecting the rule of law um it's not always easy (laughs) the i mean i i don't wake up every day cheering on the world but wow today's a really good day we won yeah (laughs) We we won and we're gonna keep going and keep fighting i made so many promises but the one that i remember is a guy came in and he talked with me he's like if you do something don't just do it for yourself and i said i'm i'm not going to this is for all of us
0: Remind people what the Constitution says about the right to a speedy trial. This is like core stuff.
2: Yeah, no, I, you know, in 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 terms of that, you know, there's there's there are rights within the Constitution uh, to to a speedy trial. There's rights with regard to criminal process. There's rights with regard to civil process. There's rights to jury trial. The the founders understood that actually having access to the courts was fundamental, um, and so the the, the very and prop- by
0: the way they're reacting to places where that wasn't true.
2: Yes, yes, no that that that's absolutely correct, and that you know this is how you you oppress individuals, and so you, again it just it's absolutely shocking that you take a time you know a time when government is acting perhaps with enhanced authority. When there's perhaps a greater temptation for uh, individuals to overstep their bounds, when there's greater risk potentially that individuals are going to be harmed by regulations, and then you take the what's really honestly the one meaningful check on that—the ability to to haul, you know, you know the individuals involved in this from petty to great before a neutral uh, tribunal. And have your day in court, and you remove that ability. Uh, that really, you know, that's the sort of thing that the founders were fighting against, and putting these protections in the Constitution.
0: So, what is the what is the path that you think this challenge takes?
2: Well, so first of all, we're we're in D.C. federal court, uh, so we have filed the action on this. Uh, you know, this begins the process. DC will have an opportunity, obviously, to respond. Um, you know, and we we look forward to. You know, at, at this point, the timeline is is out of my hands. We'll get a scheduling order ultimately from the DC courts in terms of when it is that we'll ultimately have a hearing. Uh, and there will be a, you know additional briefing along the line uh, along the way, but. Um, we look forward to finally getting our day in court.
1: Most definitely.
0: It does seem, um, and this this is both um, encouraging and frustrating that, and you mentioned the Wisconsin case, um, that some of us, including the three of us sitting here, knew that these um, sweeping lockdown orders and, and all of the cascading orders that followed those were, were highly politically motivated and that once they discovered that they had this, this sort of, um, it's not a loophole, but they found this workaround to our constitutional rights and they just ran the board with them. It's encouraging because it seems like the courts again and again and again have said, uh, that's not constitutional guys, Um, but it takes time. I mean, we're, we're now, three years in and there's so much collateral damage done by this um, does the system hold I think last time we talked I was like I was like fretting that the Constitution turned out to be quite leaky during a pandemic Um, and and I don't know if it's because um, Congress wouldn't stand up or the president wouldn't stand up and I'm talking about both the Republican and the Democratic president um, or what it was but I never imagined four, five, ten years ago that any of this stuff could happen. I thought the rule of law would prevent it from happening, but it didn't. Um, do, is there an implication here? Um, if you two guys win, does, does it have national implications?
2: I think so. Uh, and, and I think that really, you know, this is one of those things where you take a look at when you talk about the Constitution being leaky, when these regulations were first being bandied about and there was conversations, you had me on a while back to talk about our litigation against the OSHA's vaccine mandate, yep. their national vaccine mandate. And you know a lot of the conversations about that went back to cases in the early 1900s and mandatory smallpox vaccinations. So what you saw were You'd have these discrete cases that people had forgotten about that were in the the dustbin of history, all of a sudden taking center stage. Right now, for good or for ill, what happened in D.C. will be relied upon next time there's a national emergency. They will look to what it is that the D.C. Council and D.C. Mayor did, and whether or not, frankly, uh, they were held to account for it. If we're able to actually go ahead and prevail in this case, yes, it, not only does it prevent D.C. potentially from doing this again, but you have cities and states across the country that were engaging in similar practices. Uh, and so hopefully this will be a cautionary tale. Yeah, uh, There's been enough chilling effect with regard to the speech of you know people like Eric and other individuals and businesses. I think there should be a chilling effect with regard to abuses of government power.
0: So like you, um, you said, substantial, but... This, this could, in fact, be a landmark, um, should you guys succeed?
2: Uh, for a couple of reasons. The other thing is, you know, you take a look, look at this. This, I think, is a unique a unique area of constitutional law as well, dealing with the authority um, to regulate in the District of Columbia. So this, this actually has the potential to be, you know, what in law school you'd call a casebook case. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of those ones where you look at and it would define an area of law.
0: So no pressure. <laughs> no
2: <laughs> none, pressure on none, you guys. <laughs> none whatsoever.
0: <laughs> the, in, the entire fabric of America rests on whether or not. Like I I I'm I'm being hyperbolic, but not being hyperbolic. I think another three years like we just went through is completely devastating to 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 the American experiment, and we we can't go back to this the next time we have a real or contrived emergency, because they're just gonna keep going, like politicians love power.
2: Well, and this is where I, I do hope as well, you know, it, it's obviously been a while, but I'm hoping that the time and the space between the events and the pandemic, you are going before a neutral court, we're going before the federal court, rather than, than in sort of the, the local DC court. So it's, you know, a court that's supposed to be set up to be neutral, uh, uh, I'm hoping as well that the time involved, the time lapse will allow cooler heads to prevail. I think there were some issues with challenges during the pandemic where you had judges, you had others who were concerned about making the wrong call in the heat of battle, uh, second guessing the executives or the doctors or so forth. At this point, what we're talking about is, you know, sort of pure legal questions uh, and we actually have the advantage of being able to look in the rearview mirror and seeing, well, gee, in fact, you know, this regulation that was put into place, where they anna- with regard to requiring bars to check vaccine IDs, they announced it several weeks before they implemented it, and then they ended up canceling it only what two or three <laughs> weeks into its operation. Um, so this, you know, all said and done, you know, it didn't. You know, didn't end up actually even making a great deal of sense. I mean, if you were just looking at this from the perspective of a rational regulator, not whether or not it, w- not even sort of getting into the intricacies of the policy. So, but but now you know, being able to look at it through the rearview mirror, I'm hoping that uh, you know they'll they'll be able to be a dispassioned look at the law and.
1: I mean, it wasn't just. Three weeks later, they canceled it. But the, the amazing thing about it is the exact day that my liquor license hearing reported that I was a grave threat to the health and safety of everybody in Washington, DC, is the exact same day that the mayor announced she was lifting the orders. And the expert that they used in my hearing, a reporter asked the mayor because they hadn't meet, met the requirements that he said we needed to reopen. And the mayor matter-of-factually said, that guy doesn't speak for DC. (laughs) It's just, it's
0: unbelievable. Dig Uh, dig a little bit deeper. You've told me this story. Um, The the government um, chosen expert that told you that you were a menace to society in your case to keep you shut down um, was cited by a reporter to the mayor when she tried to open up three weeks. He did open up three weeks later and she dismissed him out of hand as not representing the D.C. government. I,
1: I don't think I could say it any better than you just did, Matt. Well, that that
0: seems hypocritical.
1: <laughs> I don't know. The lawyer's he, not talking right well, now. He's <laughs> like, oh. Well, they, they, speaking of the lawyers, I, uh, he has to remember the law, but we don't. Maybe we should try that High West whiskey yeah, or, or the Woodford Reserve. <laughs> nice. Um,
0: <laughs> I, I can tell a professional bartender, never leave an empty glass on the bar. Um,
2: but hot, Robert, obviously As Matt knows I like the peaty whiskey so I'm just savoring
0: <laughs> the, um, At Kibbe on Liberty Freedom is a lifestyle 24-7 Something you live and breathe and wear every day If that describes you You need the very best Liberty swag in the market today Just like this shirt I happen to be wearing Go to freethepeople.org/kol and check out our exciting merch. You too can love liberty and look cool. Let's talk about. Before I forget, um, I want to talk about ways that, like, I, I think this is so important, and we've we've been documenting this story for the last nine months as well, um, because Eric, you represent um, thousands of. A small business owner is just like you, um, and and you represent um, the Constitution, and and again again no pressure, but we got to win, guys. <laughs> we got to win because <laughs> we can't go back to this. Um, so, Eric, do you, do you still have? Um, I think you're now at Give Send Go, right?
1: We do still have a Give Send Go. Um, uh, everybody is welcome. as the is the tag on the Give Send Go?
0: Okay, um, so. Um, if people want to support your business and the fight that you're going through, that's one way to do it. Um, Another way is to come to D.C. and we'll all get burgers together.
1: For me, the best way that you can always support is coming in and and coming back. I know know there are people around the country who live far, far away, uh, but please don't forget about the Buckeye Institute when we're talking about this. This is not... DC is a billion-dollar enterprise. The Buckeye Institute is not. This so, if you if you
0: want to finance uh, this lawsuit, uh, we can
1: give to the Buckeye
0: Institute. Um, is tell us how to do that.
2: So we've got a website, BuckeyeInstitute.org, and you can click on uh, uh, our our page, and there's there's a donate or support button that you can click on, and we make it as easy as possible. But Greatly appreciate. We were able to uh, defend individuals like Eric, who really deserve. You know, you can he- hear his story and understand how deserving he is of representation. We're able to do that free of charge because of the generosity of donors who believe in what we do and support our work.
0: Now, l- remind people you're you're not uh, you're not making this stuff stuff up. You you have um, uh, some bona fides, and you've. The Buckeye Institute has already had some success in terms of challenging um, COVID lockdown era mandates. Remind people your success there. Oh
2: sure. So we uh, we successfully litigated against the the Biden OSHA vaccine mandate. This was the requirement that employers with more than a hundred employees uh, would be forced to require their their employees to to get vaccinated or subject them to weekly um, COVID tests and masking requirements, we were able to get that struck down at, at the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, Wh- when was that?
0: I'm curious about the timing relative to this fight.
2: Uh, that was actually just before, I think, yeah. we we got involved in Eric's case. So um, additionally, we've been involved in a number of cases. We've got about... Uh, four cases pending right now with regard to abuses of emergency powers uh, back in Ohio with regard to income taxation, where the, the government went ahead and said, you weren't working in your office during the pandemic. We're going to go ahead and tax you at a higher rate as if you were. Uh, and so the Ohio Supreme Court uh, recently took one of those cases. We just won another of those cases. Uh, up in Cleveland, so so we've litigated uh, quite a bit in this space, both at both the state and the federal level.
0: Eric, are you? Um, how are you feeling right now? Because you it took you nine months to to get a little bit of justice,
1: but but you're not there yet. Uh, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. Man, how how lucky do you have to be to, to be me and find Robert Altish as your lawyer in the Buckeye Institute? It's uh, uh, I'm optimistic. The business is showing signs of life. Uh, people are back having fun again. It it it's funny. People have forgotten. They've forgotten that they're allowed to cheer at the NFL game in, in the middle of it, and they're like, "Oh, hey, no, please cheer. <laughs> You're here to have fun. This is uh uh and, people are starting to return back to being people, to talking with people, with having a good time. Um, and I don't want to say any battle is won. Uh, we've, we've, well, we've won some battles. I don't want to say the war is won. Um, I don't want to say that I'm, I'm living a life of luxury. I'm, I'm back to work in seven days a week, uh, 24-7, 365. That's what small business owners do um the and we're but we're i don't know i don't know how to say it more than i'm i'm hopeful i have i'm grateful i'm grateful for everybody that has ever come in i'm grateful for the people here i'm grateful for you having me on your show i'm grateful for robert continuing to represent me uh i'm i'm not grateful that dc uh implemented some illegal shit on me <laughs> It's
0: some e- illegal shit. Is that the, the lawyerly way to say this? It's a,
2: it's a technical legal term. <laughs>
0: well, here's here's to being grateful. And here's to being hopeful. And here's to defending the Constitution. Here. Cheers. And since we're self-promoting, um, Eric, one more time, where do we give to your Give, Send, Go?
1: Uh, give, Go slash Everybody is Welcome.
0: Buckeye Institute. .org. And um, if you want to check out the second in the series of documentaries we've made about these two gentlemen's battle, go to, to, go to freethepeople.org, and it's uh, Shut Down Indefinitely. Did I get that right, Logan? You did. Shut Down Indefinitely, um, part two, and part two. <laughs> <laughs> that that we, we spent a lot of time developing that title. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for watching. If you liked the conversation, make sure to like the video, subscribe and also ring the bell for notifications. And if you want to know more about Free the People, go to freethepeople.org.